Hey, welcome to Life Together, a podcast for Gresham Bible Church, where we exist to glorify God in being disciples who make disciples of all people through the transforming power of the gospel. I'm Mike Dahl. I'm Josh Howarth. Hi, Josh. How you doing, Mike? Good, good. So we're... I'm excited to disagree with you today. Oh, I can't wait. And again, I'm wearing a Seahawks hoodie so that you have to look at that the whole You're time we talk about You're still wearing a Seahawks hoodie? Do I am. Do you wear that every week? I don't wash it, I mean, actually. Yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah. Have uh, you ever disagreed with somebody before about something? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Has it ever gone bad? Uh, yes, it has. So uh, Maybe conversations you to for other episode. times. Maybe yeah. Help you out in the future. So um, one of my prior jobs, actually a few of them, they basically hired me because of the nature of the job was you're going to disagree with people. Oh, really? And so I got paid to disagree with people. Oh my gosh! Are you yeah. serious? Yeah, and that's why so you probably I have some good tips for us today. That's why I left. So that's why. You left. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in in well, today's to play host today, I'll just I'll just take notes. Yeah. From your uh, experience, <laughs> there great. we go. From all the bruises. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, today's discussion is a continuation part two of our discussion about disagreement in the local church. And in our last conversation, we kind of set the scene for it foundationally, kind of why. And then we left the conversation ready for this one about, okay, well, this is all well and good, but how do we actually disagree in the context of a local church, of Gresham Bible Church, a church family, right? How do we actually disagree with that? So Josh, what do you, what comes to mind? What are some keys or some principles that help kind of frame this for us? Yeah, I think right away we want to be kind of considering who we're disagreeing with. And just for frame of reference, what we're talking about right now is within the church. So we're thinking about Christians disagreeing with other Christians. And there's definitely a lot of things that could be said today that would apply to how you would disagree with a non-Christian. But it's, it's different because when we're disagreeing with other Christians, we're coming at that disagreement with a shared set of understanding and assumptions and convictions and beliefs. So we have a foundation we're working off of, whereas when I'm disagreeing with a non-Christian about something, we have a really different foundation, and it kind of changes maybe at times how I even go about disagreeing with them. So I think that's worth saying. And so I'd say right away, if I'm understanding that I'm disagreeing with a Christian, I need to understand who is a Christian. And the Bible tells me that I should expect that other believers are going to be very different than me. And if Jesus is the king of the universe, if he is the savior of the world, if he is the way, the truth, and the life, if he is the God of all nations, which he is, all those things, then that means that there's going to be a lot of Christians that are going to outnumber me that are very different than me, that come from a very different background, worldview. And when they're looking at how to take wisdom and apply it to the world, it's just going to be very different. And I think one great example in my mind actually goes back to the time of Jesus. When you look at the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples that he initially calls out, I mean, we're told that one of those people is Matthew, the tax collector, who's basically sympathizing with this Roman government that's come in and conquered Israel, you know, and, you know, making money off of that. And one of the other 12 is Simon the Zealot who is a part of a political group that is zealous to advance and preserve Jewish politics and religious practices. So you have this like passionate 
trying to, you know, uphold this Jewish way of life person alongside someone who's actually trying to make money off this thing. And people who are in Simon's camp always look down on people who are Roman sympathizers. So just within the 12, the inner circle of Jesus alone, it's you awesome. have two people who are following him, a part of the original 12, right? And they could not be more different in the way that they're even viewing the world when they're called into that faith in Christ and following him. And naturally, though, they both came to see, as we understand, that Jesus was their true king. They were part of a different kingdom and all that. And so anyways, all to say, understanding who we're talking to and that people are going to have different perspectives on things is pretty we got to expect that's par for the course. Yeah, that's awesome. God's word is written for our instruction. There's so much to learn about how to disagree as a church family. For me, something that I just keep calling to mind, and it's coming more and more over these last few years, is just that we're all in the sanctification process. So that really informs how we disagree, right? So I'm being shaped into the image of Christ. He began a good work in me. He's going to bring it to the completion, but it's not yet. And so I bring my own issues to the table, my own deficiencies, my own biases even, just like everybody else does. So when you disagree with someone, realize that about yourself and about the person or people you're talking with, right? That, hey, 10 years from now, I'm probably going to look back on myself and what I thought some now and realize, wow, I was off. I didn't Mm. see it fully. So just to have that posture of grace and to extend the grace to others that we want people to receive ourselves in, for me, is another principle in terms of... I mean, I can't relate to that. I've never changed my mind before, but yeah, (laughs) totally. So (laughs) Good. No, no, that's a great point, though, honestly. Yeah. How about as we're talking about keys and principles for how to disagree, right? We've all talked about it. We probably would all say, yeah, we should disagree. Okay, well, how do we actually do that? Josh, from your pastoral experience and kind of in your life, what's maybe another key or principle that we need to to get out there on this. Yeah, I think we're, we need to kind of discern between what we're actually talking about. I mean, this kind of goes back to that part one of kind of die and divide, but we need to know the difference between just biblical moral teaching or absolute truth around who God is and what he's done and salvation and things like that. We know the difference between what we're talking about in those areas and when we're taking biblical truth as a whole and just trying to apply it in the sense of wisdom. And so just to be clear, we're not, although if if you have another person who claims Christ and you disagree around the divinity of Jesus, you know, hopefully you're going to have those hard conversations and really try to persuade people back towards biblical truth. Or um, if someone is claiming Christ and yet they're just sleeping around or, you know, advocating for something that we would all universally say is is morally appalling in mm-hmm. the eyes of God, like abortion or something is an easy classic example. I mean, you, you want to persuade people back towards just those moral teachings. So I'm not going to say we're not going to have disagreements with people, but I mean, we're not really, in this conversation, we're not talking about just what the Bible's really clear about in terms of that moral and absolute truth realm. And so when you're, we want to be clear that we're, we're really taking the Bible and the Bible isn't specific on many things, and but it does. It's all we need for life and godliness. And so we're trying to open its pages and pray that the Spirit would guide us as we read it and and take and really ask God for that wisdom. James one tells us that to ask God for wisdom, 
uh, so that we can take biblical truth and apply it into our day and every everyday life. And so, anyways, so we just want to be clear what we're talking about too when we go into disagreements, and that kind of gets back to that die and divide. And then I'd say, I'd say the other thing that just comes to mind is remembering where we are. And what I mean by that is not just Gresham, Oregon, but in, in the framework of time and history. Jesus has died and ro- risen from the dead, and he, we're waiting for him to come again. So we are living in this time that people have classically called the already and not yet, that people who come to faith in Christ are declared new creations, that God is making all things new, that he is at work in this world, but we are not in heaven. And so it's important just to remember that sometimes I think we have this yearning for heaven now, and we are not promised it today. And we need to kind of remember that we're living in that tension, that in-between time. So I think just some big keys on how we're even disagreeing with people, we have to have these, these glasses on, you know, in terms of who we're talking to, how we're seeing, like you were saying, like how we see ourselves. and I'm not a finished product yet. God isn't done with me. I have a lot to grow in, and often the areas I'm going to grow in, I don't even know I need to grow in them right now. And then just kind of kind of reassessing what we're actually even talking about here and where we are. Those are some things, yeah. I love this conversation on life together because we are a church family, and just like our own family, maybe our families of origin, just as I've been thinking about this, right? Some families are better at others than disagreeing, and we kind of bring that. That experience was formative to us. Then how do we actually handle disagreements in a church family is so helpful. And That's a great point. Yeah, as we were talking about disagreements, Jordan, the maestro of Life Together, shared it's not like the Seinfeld episode of Festivus with the airing of grievances, right? <laughs> I have some problems with you people. That's that right. is not yeah. what we're talking about. So That's what right. we want to focus on today is how to disagree, right? So that assumes we're going to have some things to disagree on that die, divide, um, and decide on in the decide area and even in divide how do we actually go about that and i think you're bringing up a good point that family of origin idea too i mean how many of us maybe haven't seen disagreement modeled well yeah and so we walk into disagreement with that's our only experience and frame of reference or we lived in an environment where we were never given a voice and we were always shut down right away we were never allowed Mm -hmm. to be you know disagree with somebody or you know, we were, you know, there's just a lot of these areas that we could have these bad, unhealthy, ungodly prior experiences. And fam- I think that's really key to bring that up mm. that we we're saying. So that's good. Oh, I'm, I'm still learning that in myself for sure. So as we're talking about how to disagree as a church family, Josh, pastorally and in your experience personally, what are some tips you'd give us? Maybe not exhaustive, but, you know, tips informed by the principles we've been talking about. Yeah, I'd say for us today, my first tip. Are we, Please, here we go. Tips, We're going there. It's tip what? time with Josh. <laughs> I didn't have them uh, decided as tips, but uh, yeah, tip one, right? Uh, actually talk. Um, That's awesome. I think if I can make one observation over the course of the last year and way beyond a year for sure, people who disagree with other people actually don't actually, they don't actually tend to talk to those people about it. Mm. They, we, we want to live in communities of people that, dis- that agree with us. And so we tend to isolate ourselves and that's so natural, right? That's way more comfortable. 
if you could do life with people who prefer all the same things you do and you could always kind of get what you want and have that sense of peace but it's a real false peace I think in a real sense but but yeah actually talk to people and not just assume that you know where people are coming from I mean I've I've had a lot of conversations with people just over the last year who who are viewing things probably very differently than each other on the surface but as you talk to those people you realize we're all much closer together we're a lot closer to the center so to speak than we really realize, but we think that other people are just way off over on the other end. Mm. And it's just because we're not having those conversations. We're afraid to, or we're importing information and placing it on somebody when actually at the end of the day, I don't actually know that. If you view things this way, or more importantly, why you have that opinion. There's a lot of good reasons for people having various opinions. A lot of times it could be personal, circumstantial, previously in their life. And so just actually talking, that's a huge step. Man, that's so good to be a church family who wants to talk to each other and lean into those conversations. That's awesome. How about other, I don't know how you'd want, how would you want to phrase it? Tips, life hacks we're, we're, of doing life together? I don't already, know. So okay. we can keep going with tips. I just, I don't really think of myself as a tip guy. So, <laughs> uh, but we can keep doing that. Yeah, I'd say a big one is uh, seek to understand somebody before you're actually understood. So seeking to understand the person you're disagreeing with before you're understood. I think that's a very Christian thing to try to do. And when I think of Christ himself, I mean, what's different about him is he already understands us completely and fully, but he he didn't wait for us to understand him and all of a sudden he's revealed himself he's come he's pursued us and so we have this this way of thinking about the world in relation to the others where we can seek to understand before we're understood and that really helps i think in in disagreements because most of the time disagreements we're just wanting to be understood and i actually don't care to understand where you're coming from because i've already made a decision about you and where you're coming from Mm. not you personally mike i know i'm looking at you when i say that but (laughs) And I think one helpful way to do that is, and a way to know that you've understood somebody, is being able to restate that person's view with the tone they would use and the language they would use instead of trying to kind of, in a passive-aggressive way, rip it apart. So, yeah, there's a lot of ways that we can tend to do that in silly ways. You know, I, I could even think of maybe, I know Jordan likes eggplant. I hate eggplant. <laughs> I don't know Here why. Here we go. We're like going eggplant. there. Yeah, I guess we're going to go there. But but I, Jordan could say eggplant's amazing, and this is why. And I could say eggplant's this, like, mushy, gross. You know I mean? I could just use all this language to describe it, to tear it down, so to speak. And at the end of the day, I'm not representing his view well. And why would I? It's eggplant. But um, <laughs> there are more important things that maybe I should do a better job of trying to represent that person's view well. So... I think of that. Another area too, maybe another tip would be as Christians, we should be using scripture. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're really serious about scripture being the authority for our lives, which as a church community we are, then hopefully we're able to actually look at scripture and read it and say, hey, this is what's informing my way of viewing. And this is how I'm seeking to apply this in a wisdom sort of way into my everyday life. And if I can't look at scripture to back up where I'm coming from, then it as a Christian, disagreeing with another Christian, it really weakens where I'm coming from, and it's not giving us a footing to stand upon. And that doesn't mean that we're talking about using Scripture as a weapon, 
to injure somebody or, you know, but at the end of the day, we want to say, hey, this is kind of where I've wrestled with this. And this is how I've come out trying to apply it. What do you think about that? Yeah. Do you see a different way I could apply this? And I mean, that's going to really help us a lot in our disagreements. That's so, so good. So helpful. Yeah. How about other things that come to mind? Just we're, we're talking about, you know, we've wanted to focus on the principles of how to disagree as a local church family. Well, what are some ingredients on that, right? What does that actually look like? What's that sound like? What's that feel like? Anything mm-hmm. else come to mind? Absolutely. Yeah, I think we would want to be people who are more than anybody comfortable with being wrong mm. and humble enough to say that. And so in a real sense, we should be willing to go in areas of decide over issues and maybe even divide over issues in a way. doesn't mean you wouldn't divide over it, but you can at least go into it. And I don't ha- go into it with the mentality that I'm trying to seek to win. Mm-hmm. Because what if I am wrong? What if there's a better way to apply this and see it as truthful to God's word? So in a sense, then it's, I want to be okay to be wrong. And if I'm not seeking to win, then I can go to those conversations just seeking to love the other person. And I know right now we have a, there's a lot of people, rightfully so, kind of wielding the words of justice. And as Christians, we are people of justice. We are called to live righteously or justly, which those words are often interchanged in the Bible. And the world, the world is using that language a lot now. I mean, it has, in our country, it has used that word, but it's using it a lot right now. But I think as Christians, we understand justice in a different way because for us, justice always has as its end goal, love. It's never divorced from love. So I'm wanting justice because I love you, right? Yes. Uh, which is very different than me just wanting to be proven right or self-justifying to myself, which most people, I think, often think of justice that way. It's to, just to harm others. It's very punitive in that way, in a personal way. But our, our, love, our, our justice should have love in its view. And then I think, too, I mean, you know, another thing that comes to mind is just we want to be people who are welcoming people who disagree with us as Christ has welcomed us. We read places like Romans 14, 1 and 2, or Romans 15, verse 7, who talk about this idea that we've been given these open arms of our Savior. He's welcomed us in this hospitality sort of way into his family, into the kingdom of God. And so we should be people who welcome others who disagree with us Yes. versus kind of cut ourselves off from them into our silos again. So beyond just actually having a conversation, we want to be welcoming towards other believers who disagree with us about things. Yeah. This is so helpful because it helps inform our posture in all of this and how to disagree. It's not just like the mechanics of it. And I use tips kind of tongue in cheek, right? But they're grounded in biblical principles that we have the resources as Christians to disagree really well and in a way that's different than the world. And that honors Jesus, but it's not easy. And that's the whole point that this is a gospel centered church, a gospel centered church family. We need the gospel in this, and we all bring our own deficiencies to it and praise God that Jesus is for his church and not against it. So, yeah, something I wanted to share and just kind of thinking about this conversation and even what you shared right now, Josh, brings it up is just the importance of principle versus method. Hmm. I know for Carrie and I, that's been really helpful in our marriage and in our our parenting. Just to be clear on that, are we talking a principle issue or a method issue? 
And in our humanness, it's really easy to kind of get those mixed up. And even with the best of intentions, or you feel really passionately about a particular method, and that's not saying that that's bad, and maybe there's more wisdom applied in a particular method, but just to make sure that as Christ followers in a local church family that, hey, what are our principles, and then what are our methods? And those are kind of two different conversations, and then how to go into that with a posture, to your point of humility and thinking of others ahead of ourselves. So man, so much in this discussion of how we disagree with each other as a church family. That's huge. I mean, if you think about what it means, you know, what the Bible teaches on certain areas that are just very clear, we'd call those maybe principles or commandments, you know, absolute truths. And so again, we're, we're not talking about something the Bible's given clear, like moral teaching on, you know, you, you can kind of use the same example of like adultery or lying or stealing or you know what I mean like we just know we're not we're not agreeing to disagree over that kind of stuff you know yeah and when we're talking about like how do we care for the poor we know there's this we want to call it a principle or this teaching from Christ that we should be people who care for the poor we should care for widows and orphans we should care about you know marginalized peoples and foreigners and sojourners all these things we're told but when you go okay how do we do that you're talking about the method, right? Yep. And you're probably going to disagree over it in many ways because there's different ways of viewing things. And honestly, people live in different neighborhoods. They live with different spheres of influence and backgrounds. And so even the way that we approach things, okay, we go, how are we going to do this? That's where we kind of get into that disagreement. And I think the danger is then we can start attributing like a morality to the person if they don't see the way that see the way that you do in that area. Mm-hmm. This is how I think we should care for the poor. You think it should look this way. And I don't interpret your way as loving the poor, you know? Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're loving the poor and caring for the poor, is, that's not on the table as it should we do it or not, yep. right? It's, yep. it's, it's, been, it's clear how we're going to do it. We should be able to have a good, healthy conversation about it, even if there's some, like, energy to it. Right, which maybe you and I wouldn't have that kind of energy, but so, <laughs> no, I, Mike, you're too nice. So I don't no, know, no, no. I love this conversation because the already and not yet, we're going to be disagreeing with individual believers, with our church family, because that's the nature of things. And so, how to do that well? I don't think we can exhaust this. We got to keep talking about this as a church family, totally. especially in our context. Yeah. So, Josh, any other tips? advice that you have for us. I have so many tips, Mike. Yes, yes. I'm taking notes. Right, no, I'm just kidding. One that I won't say the person's name because I don't know if I have permission to tell their story, but one that comes to mind that I heard from somebody here locally recently just encouraged the idea of waiting to communicate with somebody if you're hurt or angry. And this person just told a story to me about how they had written a letter to somebody because they're really upset about something and maybe they were even right about it but they this was back before kind of that digital communication so they wrote a letter put it in the mailbox and then three hours later or so God convicted this person about that letter and they went out to the mailbox and luckily the mailman hadn't come yet so they were able to take the letter out rip it up and throw it away and I just was really impacted by that simple example because how many of us today we don't have that sort of patience and self-control to wait and even 
go before God and, and go, God, am I in the right here? Is there something even wrong about the way that I'm trying to prove my rightness? And so I just think if we could wait a little bit before we try to communicate, if we are really angry or hurt, then that would really help us go a long way in disagreements. I would say if we're not able to represent Christ well in the disagreements, then we should maybe figure out how to have that disagreement in a different avenue. I think being online maybe is a clear example of that. If, if I don't feel like I'm able to represent Christ well online in my communication, then maybe I should do these things offline. That comes to mind. We want to have, I think we would always want to have in view what's most important, you know, and that kind of goes back to that first part of the conversation we had, yeah. you know, what is most important? Is it the gospel? And we can often say what we think is most important or we know should be most important, but our, our emotions are kind of rising from those places and revealing what is most important to us. Yeah. What is that we're protecting, what we think we're losing. We can follow that thread of emotion to a place that is going to reveal what's super important to us. Yes. So we won't always have a view what's most important. And then I just say the last two things, because they kind of go hand in hand, that come to my mind in this area is we want to remember there is a final judgment that we all have to give an account to God for how we live, what we say, for every word we're actually told, which is scary. So we have to, we're all going to have to give a final judgment. I do in the way that I handle myself and the person who I perceive as wrong has to as well. And so we want to, as Christians, always remember at the end of the day, God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And obviously he's talking more about sin. And so everything we're talking about today doesn't have to be in that category, but it's important to remember that. And so as I remember that as a Christian, I want to remember lastly that I need to keep my eyes on heaven. So if there's a way to somehow in the midst of disagreement, Mike, keep my eyes on heaven, like I want to, I want to fight for that. And that kind of in a way redefines what I'm even caring about in this moment. And when I keep my eyes on heaven, that's also a reminder that I'm not there right now. Mm. And I think a lot of times our frustration, we have our frustrations because we are longing for heaven. That's what our hearts are longing for, and we're not there yet. And so we need to keep that in mind, and I think it's going to really help us. Well because said. if we think heaven's going to be here right now today, I'm going to be very disappointed. Yeah, my soul needed to hear that, even just hearing you say that right now and recording the podcast. Yeah, great reminders. One other thing that comes to mind, again, we're talking about how to disagree, is just the tone and the posture again. I don't feel like I can emphasize that enough. Just I find this pull in my heart just because I'm or I think I'm right. Right. Even if I am right, if I have truth, you're probably right. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, totally. Yes. I'm wearing a Seahawks shirt. Yeah. But even if I'm right, that doesn't then do away with the importance of how I have that conversation. Right. Just because I'm something's true doesn't mean I can put people on blast. So how I have that conversation is really just as important as that conversation. Now, God uses crooked sticks and praise God for that because of the gospel. But as Christians, how we disagree, man, it's so important and it points to Jesus or not. And so this is just such an important discussion that we're having. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, so kind of to jump off of that, Josh, as we're wrapping up this episode here, why is this so important? What comes to mind for you? I think this is really important because we are representing someone. 
And so everything that I say and do is to be imaging God. I mean, 1 Peter 3, 8 comes to mind. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And Peter isn't writing that to Christians because he just likes those virtues or those attributes of people. It's not his preference of a way of life or something. He's he's saying we should have this brotherly love, this sympathy, this tender heart, this humble mind, because that's who our God is. That's that's what we've seen in Christ. Um, you know, yes. in these last days, God has spoken to us by His Son. If we want to know what God is like, we're told in Hebrews one, look at Jesus. And if I look at Jesus and say, and I've been baptized, and I say I represent you in this world, then I want to. I care about how I image Him, and that comes out in my disagreements with people. And so I hope that, like you're saying, that being on blast, I mean, hopefully that means I can just go not just have these big conversations with a broad group of people, but maybe just go to individual people and try to have those conversations with them and so I can understand them better. And as I'm doing that, then I can hopefully embody that humble mind that we see in Christ. Yeah, so good. Scripture that comes to mind for me in this as well is Philippians chapter 2, so verses 1 through 4 says this, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then Paul goes on there to talk about, well, why is that? It's because of who Jesus is and what he's done. So as Christians, we have the resources and the opportunity to reflect Jesus and the beauty of the gospel and how we disagree with each other. So I just think this has been a, a, such a helpful conversation. We haven't exhausted it by any means, but man, good stuff. Any last thoughts on your end? I mean, yeah, there's a lot more that could probably be said. So yes. just after you read that about Philippians 2, I almost had the thought it'd be fun to go through the Gospels and just look at how Jesus disagreed with people. Man, that's <laughs> how awesome. he responded to people who, which in a way, probably wouldn't he disagree with everybody? I mean, because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> so, we're not perfect. So, yeah. Yeah, so good. Yeah, man, I'm just excited for the opportunity to lean into this as a church family, even in this next year in 2021. It just seems like we have such an important opportunity to disagree with one another in a way that points to Jesus. Again, like I, I think this is a great opportunity for the church to shine. We don't have it all figured out. That's why we need Jesus. And so to ha- disagree with one another well it just is different than maybe the culture around us. And if we're not disagreeing well, then aren't we just like the world around us and we're just in our own little echo chambers. And that just doesn't seem to play out well if you take this out 200 years from now. So yeah. yeah what a great opportunity we have then mm-hmm. to be like the only, maybe the only community of people right now who can know how to disagree with each other and do so in a way that's foreign to this world. Yes. I mean, in a world that can't disagree with each other anymore and just isolates into their own circles and shames each other and shuts each other down. I mean, what an opportunity to be a witness to Christ in this world. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So let's lean into doing this life together and disagreeing well for the glory of God. That's right. Yeah. 
All right, so thanks for joining us on this episode of Life Together. If you have any questions or feedback or comments from today's discussion, we'd love to hear from you, and you can reach out to us at mike at greshambible.org. And then specifically, like what we did at the end of the first episode on disagreement, if maybe you're processing something, even real time, hey, is this a a divide-over issue for me or maybe for someone you're having a discussion with, or is this a decide-on issue, we want to process that together with you as a church family. So if nothing else, if this conversation kind of brings that to the surface for you, we want you to feel comfortable and encouraged to reach out to your church family and let's walk through that together so that we live life together in a way that's distinctly different and points to Jesus. So again, thanks for joining us today on Life Together. Until next time, have a great week.